Hey there, this is Coach AA, and the August 23rd edition is here. So before we get there, a couple of things. One, I broke my own rule of not buying books before I was done with my current lot. Or what can I say? Books and chocolates are my weakness. So I ended up buying about 10 books. And, well, I had a great time with a few of them yesterday. So my weekend's been going pretty uh, great, actually. And yesterday, as part of something that's been going on for a while in um, my head and Raj's about mental wellness, at the quad we were able to run a webinar about it uh, with an expert who was kind enough to spare her Saturday morning with us. Uh, we hope this is just the start of what we're trying to do and uh, if you haven't had a chance to uh, check it out, uh, do ping me and I'll sh share the link with you. All right, on to the three things for today. The first one, on hitting snooze. The second one, on trash cans and sunk costs. And the last one, can we buy more money? All right, let's get on with it. On not hitting the snooze button on your alarm. Okay, first things first. Until I was almost 30, except for Deepavali and a few summer vacations when the games and sports started at 6 o'clock, I never got up early. It just was not... Well, it wasn't fun. I mean, sleeping's more fun. But for the last... You no. Know, nine years or so, I've been getting up at four o'clock or thereabouts. And honestly, the last five years, it's actually gotten pretty easy, pretty comfortable. In that, I've just learned to rewire my day according to my new schedule. Now, please note, I've changed my entire life around this, so I do manage to get a significant nap in the afternoon, and by significant, I mean an hour to two hours, because I get about six hours of sleep maximum in the night. But anyways, what does this have to do with hitting the snooze button? Well, if you're somebody who struggles to wake up early at a fixed time, or you don't feel as refreshed as you'd like to when you wake up, and you hit the snooze button more often than not, hoping to get that extra 5-10 minutes in, well, this is for you. First up, I got some bad news. Those 5-10 to 10 minutes, which I've heard many people, uh, P 
people very close to me as well describe as those five ten minutes are the best. That's when I my sleep really compounds and I feel so much better. Well, science doesn't agree. It doesn't. It cannot refresh you because it's a few minutes of interrupted sleep. Okay, you don't get into a sleep cycle and you're probably just waking yourself out of a shallow cycle again. Yes, the placebo effect is still an effect, but maybe it's just habit. Maybe it's just something you've always done and so you think it makes you feel good. But the grogginess, the lethargy, the, oh, it takes me a while in the morning to uh, wake up. All of these are linked to this. Now, some issues are you probably have a very poor sleep routine. That is, you're probably dicking around on a device right before you went to sleep. The blue light confuses our systems. Uh, or say social media, uh, news, or the 17 new home bakers with their creations that uh, you're not eating right now, all of this screws with your head. The second thing why you know the grogginess uh, might result in is, well, there's this thing called a sleep cycle. There are various stages of sleep, and in the beginning, it takes us a little longer to get into a deep sleep. And by the third or fourth or fifth cycle, our cycle actually shortens up. And that's why it's useful to get a larger chunk of sleep at one go. But it's okay if you don't. Like, I don't. I can manage only six hours of sleep, maybe seven, seven and a half. The point anyway is, if you wake up in the middle of a cycle, you sometimes feel groggy, feel weird and like, hey, I did sleep for seven, seven and a half hours, but why didn't I feel good? There are some apps for this, uh, but I am, I am wary of keeping my phone right next to me and having it wake me up and things like that. But just something for you to know. You can try to structure our alarms around uh, a sleep cycle. Um, we can tell you when you should have your alarm. Uh, simplistically, six hours and the seven and a half hour mark uh, seem to be apt for this. Or maybe your sleeping environment is not great. Maybe the AC is too cold or it's too warm. Your mattress is too soft. There's too much light in the room or it's too noisy. There's a bunch of factors, but you can control it. Now, there's two ways to go about it. Fixing the larger issue. And you do this by having a better sleep routine and a focused power down ritual. So a better sleep routine will mean no, no electronics before bed, no light in the room, blah, blah, blah. Things that are too practical that you will ignore. 
The other way is to go bottom up. And that's what I did. I just stopped hitting that snooze button. It was awful. Oh my. The first few weeks, I think, were just terrible. I remember how um, I would get out of bed and then uh, come over to my couch and then try to grab a short nap and then actually get on with my morning. But the thing is, I do have a very specific time to get out of the house by. So if this snooze goes wrong, well, bad things can happen. Well, thankfully, my backup alarms and backup to the backup alarm system have ensured my snooze did not hurt me in terms of going late. But I, I just never felt great about it when I analyzed it with data. That is, how do I feel? I hit snooze. How do I feel? I went to bed at this time. Just, you know, being a little scientific about it instead of being, eh, I'm just going to go based on whatever. So I just stopped hitting snooze eventually. Like if I come down and I want to lie down on the couch, well, I just wouldn't. It sounds stupid to say it, but I, there's no other way. Like, well, you can't really put pins on your couch and prevent you from lying down in the morning or anything silly like that, but just don't hit snooze. It's not that easy though, obviously. And there's a few ways to start it off, which all revolve around annoying you to death. First up, keep your alarm clock on full volume. Keep it much further away from you. You can transition to the peaceful, the bells ringing at one kilometer away kind of effect and then slowly increasing and lulling you out of sleep eventually, okay? Let's, let's suck it up for a month, let's say. So alarm clock, full volume, and away from you. And keep a backup alarm. That's precisely one minute after your main alarm. I use another device for this, and I keep it on the other side of the room as the first alarm. So even if by habit I hit snooze and I go back, well, in probably 30, 40 seconds, the other thing is going to blare. And the third thing I would do is simply just go into the shower. Seriously, just go in, cold water, and, well, it's kind of hard to go to bed after, after that. For you, it could be, say, just brushing your teeth. But do something. Move on. Don't linger around the bed. The cool thing is, in a few months, you'll see some amazing differences. You will be more alert physically. You will be less tired. You'll be more productive during the day. Your sleep routine 
cleans up, you'll be able to fall asleep faster and you won't get that anxious if you don't fall asleep faster as well because you know waking up is not a concern anymore. And it's a very virtuous cycle that leads to more motivation, better health. If your fat loss has stagnated, that's going to kick off again. Your stress levels, they will drop. So there's a lot of things that come by out of fixing your sleep. And if you are the kind that hits the snooze button, it starts with not hitting that snooze button. All right, try it out and reach out to me in a month because until then it'll probably be hate mails. Second one on trash cans and sunk costs. Uh, growing up, if you were anything like me, and I think most people are, you probably wanted to waste food. I mean, vegetables after a point, come on, are anything for that matter, right? If it's not the tastiest thing, you were probably going to waste it. And most parents would try to guilt you, tell you how you cannot, should not absolutely waste food. Uh, maybe they throw in stories about the poor kids who cannot uh, you know, eat food or how their own growing up, uh, they barely had enough food. Yes, all valid, absolutely. But it is terrible advice for your health today. I'm not saying wa waste your vegetables or anything like that, okay? So before you get excited about throwing vegetables away, calm down. In a recent conversation with uh, a student, I was asked about a pseudo-health food that they had bought out of excitement in large quantities. The specifics don't matter, but this, this was a um, soy milk, uh, sachet, something, okay? There's, there's a bunch of added stuff that goes into it. Uh, anyway, long story short, pseudo health, or let's just call it, you bought a bunch of, oh, well, let's just go with it, Complan or Boost or Bonvita or Harlicks or whatever, right? Because they are good for you or heart healthy cereals, whatever it is, you bought something that you thought was healthy, but well, and you asked me and I gave you bad news saying, uh, no, it's useless and it might be worse than useless and the best recommendation is to throw it. Now, I don't mean throw as in throw it literally. Think about it this way. If you are going to eat it, even after knowing it's not the healthy decision for you, the amount of time and the amount of money you are going to spend to undo this effect is a lot more than the amount of money you just spent on buying that product. The trash can makes for a much better trash can than your body does. Now this is what Seth Godin beautifully calls as a sunk cost. Now, just because you've sunk some cost into it does not mean 
anything. So ignore the sunk cost and donate it to someone else who is far less privileged than you are. And to them, this pseudo-healthy food might actually be useful because it's calories, it's energy, it's food. They might not have the luxury that me and you have to throw away pseudo-healthy foods. And since we are talking about you and me here, ignore the sunk costs and don't make your stomach a trash can. Instead, just enjoy the awesome dessert that you actually want to eat instead of these pseudo-healthy foods. Just because you have them stocked up is not a good reason at all. And on to the final thing I have for today. Can we buy more money? Sounds a little weird, but if you think about it, any return on investment, or rather any investment we make, that's what we're trying to do. You buy stocks at a certain price and you hope to earn more money by buying the stock at a low price and selling it at a later point of time. Or in advertising, you spend 100 rupees on Facebook or Google and hope you can make 110 rupees of sales on it. So can we buy more money by spending it on health and fitness? Last week we discussed how we buy more time by putting more time into health and fitness. So by investing in health and fitness, how do we buy or how do we see a return on our money that's higher than this? Obviously, what's the value created is the larger question. Now, when you are fitter and healthier, when you have a more sound body and mind, you're more productive in your day. You're just mentally so much sharper. Stuff that might have taken you an hour to do now take you much lesser. It's because you can stay alert for longer, you can stay focused for longer, and, well, you just get stuff done faster. Now, there's the slippery slope where you don't try to pad the 30 minutes saved with more work, but that is obviously an option. What I am trying to say is you're not sleepwalking through this. If you think about your day, you sleepwalk through quite a bit of it, but let's just focus on work. Maybe there's a bunch of six out of 10 things you do at work, but now you do more eight out of 10, nine out of 10 things. And you actually get closer to your potential and creating this high quality work changes you. And you start to create more high quality work. Now, what does this mean? Well, it results, and these are all stories and anecdotes we've heard from so many people across all these years. It means more confidence in you 
in your skills, in what you can achieve. You're more resilient because you know hardships or failures or stumbling blocks are simply that. You can and will move past them. You're not wasting your time and energy anymore. And what this results in is something like a promotion at work, an increased role and responsibility because you're doing what you are capable of. And the time you save, you can invest in bettering yourself. You can read a book or you can see how you can make that task you just did even better rather than just checking off the boxes. Or you can invest in a, in a course that's going to advance you in your career or just for personal betterment. However you choose to spend the time you saved, it will show. It just does. So, promotions, pay raises, better productivity, these are just the start. And you obviously directly save time and money because there are lesser doctor visits to do. The amount of money you spend on these, on pills, on scans, they reduce. Imagine you just have to go to the doctor for your yearly checkup and you're like, hey, all's good, fist bump, bye. Amazing. And by leading a long, healthy life with no lifestyle diseases, like diabetes, hypertension, and all the other ones that are symptomatic of our current lives, think about the enormous money you don't have to spend on treatment. And on the time you save, and on the lack of stress that this leads to, and how this means you can spend the time and the money on other things. And most of our diseases today are caused by psychological stress. We worry about when we will lose that weight or when we will put on that muscle or when we will lift that or when we will get a promotion at work or why our work is not valued and we sleepwalk through things because we're so preoccupied with the future. And it also leads to things like being awake because we're anxious or eating junk because of an emotional need and this compounds our poor health. Please note, I'm not saying don't eat junk, okay? Eat it guilt-free, enjoy it in moderation, but that's for another, just wanna clarify. Because we know what we're doing with our health and fitness, we don't have to worry about every slick fad or scam that comes by. Something that your friends tell you about or that person is doing, who cares? No more fear of missing out because you got this covered. And if you have a question, you know, do I have the time or is it worth the money? Well, first thing I must recognize that you're already investing the time in 
somebody like the quad and the money. So that's awesome. Okay. And our job is to try to show you incredible value for this money. And I'd love to hear from you about what else we can do. But even if you choose not to invest in an expert, because there's so many things around you besides just this, you can figure it out for yourself. You spend either money or time. And so in this case, you're spending time in figuring it out for yourself. And that's actually vital because you got to figure out what works for you. But the point is, the time and the money we spend eventually compounds in terms of returns. I mean, compound interest is a simple concept we learned long time ago. So even if we look at it as a simple return on investment, it's, it's important to heed a lesson from uh, Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger on this. A key part of their investment strategy is not about selling an acquisition once it is going to turn a profit. That is, they're not going to buy something for 100 bucks and sell it anytime it's over, say, 110 or 120 or something like that. They are all about that long term on sitting on their investments for years and years and compounding that investment. And this applies to us. How? Well, we will see immediate returns. Like the stuff I just told you about, right? Like being more productive at work. Being more alert. Being physically and mentally just sharper. Not being sluggish. And long term, not going to the doctor as much not having to worry about lifestyle diseases. The point is, we need to have that right intent and that right mindset. And most of you already have it. Sure, there's a bunch of times when instant gratification gets in the way, but sometimes, you know, we do need that pat on the back or we do need to see that short-term milestone. But you're in it for the long term. And for that, you need to have the mindset and intent. So if we do choose to invest our money wisely in health and fitness, the compound returns on this investment can be mind-boggling. An exercise I'd like you to do is look at where you started maybe a year ago, maybe five years ago, or maybe 15 years ago. Where were you in terms of your health and fitness and what have you achieved? And what has this focus on health and fitness given you at work or at home? There's nothing too trivial here. So think about it. 
write down just one or two things. So, yes, we can buy more money via health and fitness by putting in money wisely. And uh, that's a wrap, folks. This is Coach AA signing off. Thanks for listening. And you have a great week. Bye.